BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Can we talk something else? Can, can we talk about something else? It's not often when in life we are afforded a breather. Time to recoup, time to work on ourselves, time to look inward and do some maintenance. These days it's troublesome that when we could be reflecting, thinking, meditating on the state of our lives, how we came to be where we are, how we can adjust to improve our trajectory towards a brighter future, we often just stare at our phones, effectively freezing ourselves in place under that bluish glow. But in 1991, you could still do that, still stare off into space when afforded time to yourself and quietly, without much conscious thought, work on yourself. We give ourselves a lot of credit for helping our friends and family, helping our children, most of all, along life's path, but the real work happens internally, individually, And, of course, when those within our realm of influence fail, that's out of our hands. But when they succeed, yeah, yep, 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 must have done something right. Must have got that from me. Back, pat, pat, pat. I can't stand that. There isn't much that we end up doing in life that comes as a direct result of someone else's advice. It helps in the way like a pill of Tylenol helps with a headache, but most often we make our own choices based on how we feel about ourselves, how that choice will improve our current state. It's mental. It's our own mental situation that ends up making the correct decisions for our individual selves. All that other shit, all that outside source, all the stuff that we draw from is just comfort. And I'm pretty confident saying that those whom we have influence over don't so much listen to our words to decide whether they're worth listening to as consider where they're coming from. And even if they're coming from a safe place, they still, we still won't listen. 
but at least we, they, will want to be around that person as we try to work it out. At least we'll stay close to the safety that is you, that is we, that is me. At least they, at least me, at least we will stay close to something that feels safe to be around as we make the dangerous, difficult decisions that are an integral part of being a human being capable of growth. Why won't she listen to me? Well, because she doesn't respect you. Mom, why the hell is he passing up this opportunity? Well, because he doesn't want you to take the credit for his life. Dad, in one ear and out the other. Isn't a trait that all teenagers carry as a byproduct of self-involvement or an inability to focus. It's a technique used to ignore the advice or direction of those that they don't want to be like. And if you're one of the people who made them feel bad enough to begin making self-destructive decisions, you're probably the last person who could fix it. You broke it, after all. You've done enough. Just let them work it out for themselves. Let them stare off into nothing and calibrate what needs to happen next in order for the pain to go away. And when they get it right, celebrate what they've done. When they get it wrong, just let them know you'll be there as a support. Something to bounce back off of. You can't fix anybody. You can only help them fix themselves. And when the trouble revolves around a, say, 15-year-old girl, if you haven't put the work in correctly, forget it. She's gone. You can only hope she'll come back when her heart's broken and not try to fix it with more of what hurt it in the first place or stray so far that... The Hurt Finds Them. Welcome to Dark Topic. I'm your host, Jack Luna. This is a Tier 13 exclusive. No! Take it. It is the summer of 2000, and Marvin Lee Smith Jr., should feel relieved to be out of prison. But there's something that the 45-year-old can't shake as his friends and family encourage him about his future over drinks and a homemade meal. He can't shake the DNA swab they took from him before opening the gates. He can't shake the thought that though he's supposed to be free, he is only on a clock. And he'll be locked up again someday. Guaranteed. This time for good, too. The only food made with love that he's had since 91 tastes like sawdust as he mulls his dreary future over. And for the next eight years, things will continue this way. Every knock on the door, every ring of the phone, will be the sound of his freedom, possibly ending. Though a man certain that his number is up could hardly claim to be free at all. Marvin Lee Smith Jr. had been incarcerated for nearly a decade within the Ohio prison system for assaulting two Columbus women. But before he'd been booked, the scumbag had gifted himself a little going-away present. Something he'd spotted sitting on the side of the road and just couldn't resist taking. A recently broken, but by all outward appearances, beautifully conditioned. Fifteen-year-old girl. 6 p.m., March 15th, Short North, Ohio, a Wyland Park bus stop. 
Jessica Lynn Keene waits patiently for transit to a local mall, where she intends on treating herself to a little retail therapy. The previous two weeks have been highly stressful, unusual, and maybe enlightening for the teenager. She'd been hyper-focused on her new romance with an 18-year-old boy, Sean Thompson, and as a result had seen her grades slip, her relationship with her mother go to hell, and had lost interest in friends and extracurricular activities like cheerleading. Sean had replaced everything, and now, at least for the moment, he was gone. They'd broken up over the phone, causing Jessica to storm out of Huckleberry House and make her way to this bus stop where she wasn't even certain what the schedule was past 6 p.m., probably still pretty frequent, she hoped. It's not the safest area. Huckleberry House, where she'd been staying, is a group home for troubled teens and fittingly is situated within a troubled area. Her mother had made her come here, and that's probably why Sean's been acting weird, because Mom's being so weird, and now Jess seems so weird because she's living in this house with all these runaways and retards. Her boyfriend Sean is partying in Florida with his friends. Who knows what they're getting up to, laying on the beach, banging chicks. And life, it seems to be falling apart for the young woman. There is no lonelier, emptier, or scarier place to be than as a teenager who can't see the future, cares little for the past, and feels the present has nothing they want in it. At least it seems to be pretty bad, pretty lonely, empty, and scary, but of course, things always could be worse. A vehicle pulls up, and a kind-looking black man in his mid-thirties, Marvin Lee Smith Jr., asks the pretty young white girl if she'd like a ride. It's a risky move. A black man talking to a little white girl on the side of the road is sure to draw some attention, but Marvin's in luck. Jessica herself doesn't harbor any racism. In fact, her current boyfriend, well, ex-boyfriend for the moment at least, is black, and she's quick to accept the ride, making Marvin's getaway a clean one, as later there will be no witnesses to what will prove to be an abduction. He drives her 20 miles out to a desolate area and spends the next four hours assaulting Jessica first wrapping her hands with duct tape her mouth, then stripping her down to her bra before raping the girl at his leisure. So much time passes that he gets to know his captive, ripping the tape off, putting it back on. Jessica, in the moments he lets her speak, is intelligent, sweet, funny, charismatic. She's likely able to put Marvin at ease with the situation and a bid to preserve her life. But as time passes, as night begins to fall, then midnight approaches... It must start becoming clear to the girl that her life is slowly closing in on its end. I know, as many of you know what it's like to be a teenager, if you're here at this point listening and you're beyond the age of teenage years, you certainly know what it's like to be a teenager. <laughs> I remember many moments where I was in a spot where I would just say yes to about anything. Just get me out of this rut. Just... Take me away from this bus stop. Take me away from this porch stoop. Take me away from the steps of this lonely church. And let's have some fun. Let's have some life. Let's have some conversation. Let's just have some anything. Because I just became a teenager. I just was a kid. I don't get it. 
I know I have all these new feelings, all these hormones, all these dreams, all these wishes. I have no money. I have no real experience with this new, these new feelings that I'm feeling. I just want to explore them, speak of them, experience them. I just want to get living. I just recently left where I was basically a slave as a child to, to everything that my parents needed me to do, and I'm suddenly able to start making these decisions, I realize I, c- I can do my own thing. I'm up for any one thing. But Jessica, as a result of nodding her head, of hopping into this car, of being in a position where she felt like anything's better than what's currently happening, has found herself in the vehicle of this man who has been raping her for hours now, putting on the duct tape, pulling out the duct tape, speaking at her, speaking to her, and then back to the rape, back to the duct tape. She's beaten, raped, horrified, numb, disoriented, and desperate to get back to what she just had that seemed so boring so that she can make it into something that goes in the complete opposite direction of what she's currently feeling. So late at night, after hours of this abuse, and on this desolate road, Jessica makes a run for it, bolting from the back door when Marvin's guard dips, and the fresh night air fills the girl with the terrifying refreshment that has her absolutely flying down the desolate road, naked save her socks and bra, nearly free already, judging by the lead she has on Marvin, who is just exiting his car to give chase. Jessica spots the cemetery and goes careening into it, her skin reflecting the moon above and giving away this brave decision to her pursuer. It is now a life-and-death game of hide-and-seek in a graveyard of all places. Jessica slows down as she realizes where she is and loses a sock when she speeds up again across some grass and between the tombstones. It's a fucking nightmare. And if the question had occurred to her in the car of how this day could get any worse, from waking up in the group home, to breaking up with Sean, to getting kidnapped, tied up, then raped for hours before managing to escape, she couldn't have imagined a much more terrible predicament to currently find herself in than running naked through a pitch-dark cemetery before finally choosing a large stone with the word beach on it to hide behind. Sean was probably on a beach... Jessica's behind one, above one, her naked knee digging into the mud of the old grave. And the man Marvin is out there. She can hear his ragged breath, his footfalls, and the shift of clothing as he runs through the tombstones in search of her, whispering for her to get the fuck back here. Time is running out. He'll see her any minute. And then she'll die. Want to learn a new language? Well, then Rosetta Stone is for you. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on a desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It has fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process. It helps you pick up language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's designed for long-term retention, Rosetta Stone is. They have the speech recognition feature, built-in true accent. It gives you feedback in your pronunciation. 
It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. There's an amazing value with Rosetta Stone, a lifetime membership, all 25 languages, and offered here for 50% off. It's a real steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Dark Topic listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Today. We all know what it's like to hide. Your breathing slows and your heart begins to pound in your ears. Your senses ramp up. Sight becomes sharp, hearing acute. All of our lives we live, for the most part, as sedentary beings. But in these rare moments where we're forced to fight or flee or freeze, we remember what we are. And what we are is just a bunch of animals with clothes on. Not Jessica, though. She's naked and likely beyond frightened to the point where she is in full-on survival mode. A wild-eyed rabbit, a stiff-necked deer, crouched behind a monument to a dead person, shielding herself with a tombstone from becoming dead herself in the last place she is right now that almost any human being wants to be when alone at midnight, naked and alone, running for your life. This fucking sucks so bad. And she hears him closing in, and she bolts again. This time toward a distant light she can see through the woods at the back of the cemetery, a farmhouse. Marvin's behind her, but she's quicker. And as she reaches full speed after clearing the last row of graves, Jessica comes to a stunning halt when she runs face first into a fence post. We gotta hope that she's unconscious when he reaches her in this place within Foster Chapel Cemetery where today a memorial hangs from the same post that did her in, from the same post where Marvin Lee Smith Jr. approached with a 70-pound headstone he'd ripped from the earth and smashed it in two over the head of young Jessica Keene, who died as a result. Her body lay there for two days and nights, undiscovered, collecting flies, collecting dew, collecting, hopefully, the translucent hands of comfort from the surrounding dead. Her distraught boyfriend, Sean, was grilled about her whereabouts, while her mother blamed herself for whatever had happened, while those at Huckleberry House and at her school formed search parties instead of spring break parties, and and all the while Marvin Lee Smith Jr. just went on as if nothing had happened, then headed off to prison on his lesser charges, never saying a word to anyone about the pretty girl from the bus stop. The dead girl in the cemetery. He stayed quiet until the evidence forced him to confess. Seventeen years almost to the day he'd killed her. Two years longer than the span of Jessica Keene's life. He kept silent, hiding behind his own tombstone, until the knock finally came, and he was sentenced to life in exchange for his utterance of guilty. And now he serves his time with some hope of being paroled in 2038. Though with any luck, he'll die a scared old man in prison. Marvin broke down in tears when Jessica's family gave their impact statements. It appeared as though he'd been harboring some guilt and likely wasn't the ice-cold predator. The stories in the Unsolved Mystery episodes and shitty little podcasts lead us to believe. Of course, 
At the time, yes, Marvin was a thing straight from a horror novel when he killed Jessica Kane. But the man you see today, it's easy to give a little mercy to. Because life is long for some of us. Extremely short for others. But life is long for tortured men. And it's hard to keep the intensity of the outrage up as the third decade passes since Jessica ran through that cemetery naked, save a bra, one sock, the duct tape around her wrists, her mouth. Oh, and a bracelet, a ring on her finger. A reddish mark from her necklace was found around her neck, below her crushed face, above her beaten and raped body, and this, more than any of the other disturbing details of this short and not-so-sweet case, sticks with me the most. Her love, Sean, had given Jessica that necklace, and it was an honor when she was finally discovered by a groundskeeper or a family laying flowers, I couldn't find whom, but the necklace wasn't there, even though her other jewelry remained. It isn't clear what kind of man killed Jessica Keene. Was it a rapist forced into a split-second choice, or was it simply a sadistic killer, one who maybe had killed before? We don't know. But the answer is in the necklace, I believe. A necklace that proudly displayed one word. A word that would resonate with a cold-blooded predator who took pride in what he was capable of. The word... Taken. And that'll do it. And it's, you know, the Christmas season. And cut the cheery, stupid fucking music here for a second. There's nothing cheery about what we just went through together. But moving on, I just need to pause here for a second because I recorded um, an intro to the next episode I'm about to talk about um, where I speak about some horrific shit that happened to a girl in fiction form. But I need to pause here so as not to seem so fucking cold. Um, oftentimes, well, with me, that was recorded a long time ago, and I'm running into another episode right now. But I, 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 get, I just need to pause and, and <sighs> need to pause. I'm looking at a picture of this girl, Jessica Keene. She reminds me so much of my cousin, who I love so much. And... um they just, they come and they go, don't they? These murder victims that we speak about in true crime. Listen to this asshole. I'm about to speak again here. Talk about how this is a gift. You know, a gift from Patreon. You're welcome. You're welcome. You got to hear about this fucking girl get kidnapped, brutally raped, and then murdered in a fucking cemetery. Have her necklaces said taken, taken from her fucking neck. And then he names the episode off of it. And he's giggling away. And I was going to share with you something else that you could possibly get from Patreon. These fucking true crime podcasters, man. I tell you. Soulless. <laughs> no, we have a soul. It's just that you get you get caught up in it. And I had to pause and, and intervene here on myself. Just a pause. Okay, and we'll get back into it. That's a horrific tale from the past of uh, Dark Topic Patreon that I'm sharing as a gift to, to you guys out there in uh, free land, <laughs> in the free world, where I would be if I was listening to this podcast as well, so don't feel bad. 
If I was a fan of Dark Topic, I would certainly not be paying extra. Certainly, I probably would have left a long time ago, based on my track record, and I appreciate you staying up until this point. So, what I want to share with you next is another gift. This is something from the Dark Topic Patreon as well, and um, it's uh, I've, I've shared in the recent past some of the fiction that I'm starting to put out there, and this is the third installment of that. So, as a double gift, this is like when you get all the gifts at Christmas and then you know, someone brings out one that they they found behind the tree that you had missed. This is that one behind the tree. Actually, it was stuffed a little bit into the wall. And they pulled it out and they were like, oh my fucking god. This thing has been staring at us the whole time. Actually, they didn't pull it out at Christmas. They pulled it out like 15 days later. And it's a camera. Tick, 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 ticking away. All the horrible shit you did to begin the new year. This is still... Dark Topic Fiction 3, and I doubt you'll enjoy. Merry Christmas, everybody. Still. All I really needed to do today was get a few groceries. Milk, cereal, bread, bologna. Cheese is getting too expensive. I figured I'd steal some if possible along with a pack of those honey garlic pepperoni sticks you like so much. Oh man, you remember when you'd steal those from work? When we first got together and we watched the whole Dexter series in like a month? I could live that month on a loop forever, cuddled up on the couch in our pajamas. Giggling. You'd get up and make popcorn sometimes. And I'd pause the show, just to watch you. That's how you know it's love. When watching someone do regular shit fills you with a sense of well-being, warmth. And Tess, I know you don't understand. I mean, you friggin' dumped me over it. But that's why I started looking in the windows. They say we all need time to ourselves, but for me, that's not entirely true. I need time to myself watching you. I'd sleep in the dirt outside your basement apartment window just to know I'm close. When you said you needed time, I was almost okay with it, because I liked my alone time watching you. At first there was the window, but then you saw me and put a sheet up. And that's when I went too far and used the key. I made it when you trusted me. I have copies of all your keys, actually. Even the ones that don't do anything. It's amazing how still you can be when your life depends on it. I brought a chair down eventually. One of those fold-out ones for parties and for a while there I was just glued to my living room peephole so much warmer than the window you want to know a secret? well I guess you already knew I was under the stairs where all the junk is I just piled it up around my spots drilled a bunch of holes so I could see most of the room and now there's tunnels in there to vantage points I even got into the walls but those spots are quite noisy and I have to commit to them before you come home. It's worth it, though, to watch the bathroom some days. I like to be still, but those bathroom days are torture. The space is tight, and the insulation at first drove me nuts, but I got rid of it, cleared a spot on the framing to rest my chin and arms. Standing still for hours, it's incredibly difficult, Tess, but it was worth it to see your skin when I needed it. But then I'd be stuck there until you came back, and if it wasn't a shower, which was prime, and yes, I stole your shower curtain. It was a pee, and peas are too quick. 
You think the poops would be gross, but I grew to enjoy those. The vulnerability. The side we don't always see. And yeah, it's weird. Poops became a favorite somehow. Poops, <laughs> It's always been like that with you. I've always thought of them as poops. God, you're cute. Even when you're taking a shit. Did I see a little smile there? Can you hear me over there, Tess? Or are you still here? Thank God those big snores are done. That was really scary. Anyways, you got me, Tess. I've been watching all this time at the window in the apartment at your work. I never stopped watching. Because I never stopped loving you. Even when you threw me away. I learned to stay still. My life depended on it. I knew if I moved around, showed my pain, exposed myself, then I'd lose you. And if I lost you, completely, I'd have no choice but to kill myself. Staying still is more than just not making noise in the walls, Tess. It's about not making noise with your true feelings. You want to be friends? Fine. We were friends. But that killed me, Tess. I couldn't show it because I know that makes people go away, so I ate it. I made my place under the stairs and my spots in the walls. I watched the empty kitchen one day, all day, just for the payoff to see you make popcorn again. I even got a little bonus when you tooted. And so cute. You have no idea how close we are, Tess. God, it feels good to hold you again. You're so still. It was just us for a while there. I was really getting to know you to understand what I could do to get you back. I needed to be still. I was too much, too needy, too in love. I smothered what we had. But with time, being still, I hoped I could bring it back to life. And then I heard his voice, not that long after you ditched me. Maybe two weeks? I heard Paul come down the stairs with you, and then I watched you with him in the bedroom. I had to move very slowly to get to my spot, but I had the advantage of all the friggin' noise you two were making. I learned my lesson. After that, I stuck to the chair and the living room hole. The bathroom wasn't worth it anymore. I don't get off watching dude shit. Not that I get off on you pooping. It's just that I love you, Tess. You know he jerks off, right? I never did that with you. Call me old-fashioned, but it feels like cheating. Unless, of course, I'm watching you while I do it. Anyways, it wasn't the worst. Those weeks on the couch watching you and Paul watching Game of Thrones, or Thrones, as he calls it. What a dick. What a douchebag. Anyways, it reminded me of our time, though we laughed more. He isn't funny. He made you laugh at the start, but then that stopped. And you know why, Tess? Because he doesn't love you. He changed, and you couldn't figure out why. I heard you on the phone with your sister. It was hard to keep quiet, because I knew the answer. What change has he got in your pants, stupid? Mission accomplished. Rinse and repeat. I bet he's funny with the other girls. I watched the whole confusing third season of Thrones with you. The whole thing from a shitty fold-out chair under the stairs, while you two cuddled and kissed and sometimes even went at it right there. Oh, God. It brings a metal taste to my mouth. But I stayed so still. Why didn't he go back to let us watch from season one, Tess? You know that's selfish, right? That I never would have made you watch something from the third season. I'd go back. You know why, Tess? Because that's the way love is. It's part of it. Sacrifice. I watched when Paul broke up with you, and how you cried and slept for days. I was there. 
still. I heard you plan to move out, to make a big change, to get out of this basement where you felt buried. Felt like maybe this place was haunted, and that's my fault. I shouldn't have tried whispering to you while you were sleeping. That was a little creepy, I admit it. But truly, for the most part, I stayed so still. Until today. All I wanted to do was get some groceries. But then I saw you. You were working the till, like I hoped. Well, let's be honest, I know your schedule. But today was different. You looked at me like that, like you knew. And you didn't laugh at my joke. So I came here to make sure everything was okay, and of course it wasn't. You'd started packing. You'd been under the stairs. You found my chair in the holes, I know you did. Some lube and a bunch of tissues, goddammit. I almost always clean up. And it wasn't like that. I mean, sometimes it was. I have needs too, Tess. But it was about love. Fine, you call it infatuation, but what's wrong with that? God, I should have never told you I wanted to crawl underneath your skin. Maybe it isn't love. Maybe it's poison. Maybe the metal taste means that I shouldn't have been here. Oops, a little dribble there. Here, let me clean your lips up, Tess. There. Oh my god. Shit, you're breathing. Here, let me help you. Here, I'll just pinch. I'm pinch. I'll cover your mouth. Pinching your nose. Shh. Listen, I can tell you're tired. There's no point in bringing you back, Tess. I hit your head pretty hard there. You probably wouldn't be right. I think those snores meant brain damage and these holes in your chest. Well, that's not good either. Okay. Good. You sleep. I'll hold you. You be still. There. There, that's nice. Now let me finish. I just couldn't help myself. You know, there are people who think they understand love. They write of it, preach of it, make movies and sing songs. But until you stay still, until you're willing to have your very soul stomped on by love, your heart torn, your mind melted, then you only know half of it. True love is all the way, Tess. It's all-encompassing. It's everything. It's waiting. It's holding back. It's hoping. And when it all begins crashing down, it's murder. Because you can only be still for so long. Before it's kill, I always knew that. It has to be that way. It's just the way it is when it's real, Tess. I wonder if those sirens are for us. The metal taste is gone. Let's just be still. Lay here on the floor for a minute. Oh God, somebody's coming. This metal taste here of the gun, maybe it'll be better. I bet you laughed. I feel it. I know you laughed at that. That's a smile right there, I think. You're waiting over there, aren't you? I know it. Oh, I knew it. I knew it would be like this, Tess. You think I'm funny. Still. And you always love me, I know. I just had to wait for you to catch up, I know. It's okay, Tess. It's okay, I know. And I forgive you. We can work this out. Still. How about you get cozy over there? On the other side. Did you make it home yet? Yes, I can see it in your eyes now. If you can hear me, Tess, why don't you put on Dexter? Or no, I know. Let's watch Thrones. The first season. Start from the beginning. Get it right. I just want to lay here a little longer with your body while it's still warm. Make the most of our time just in case. 
Yeah, those are for us. Somebody must have heard you. That scream when you saw me, that was a good one. You scratched me bad like a little cat too. <laughs> so feisty. This gun is freaking loud too, isn't it? It's the concrete. Back behind the drywall, there's some space for insulation, but then it's the foundation. Those shots probably were heard from across the street. I pulled out all the insulation, so it doesn't help anymore. Yeah, I can hear radios. Somebody called the cops. Shit. And that's the way of the world now, isn't it, Tess? Nobody minds their business. And that makes me laugh, because I'm one to talk, aren't I? Hey, Tess. Is it safe for me to come too? Over there? I mean, am I in trouble over there? Over there, okay, no, put it, put it. Oh, boy. Okay, Tess. Okay, good. I guess now it's my turn to catch up. <laughs> oh, God, please, give me a sign. I don't want to be wrong. <sighs> oh. Oh, man. Oh, good. Oh, thank you, Tess. I'll be right there. I can smell the popcorn. Still. <laughs> 